Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries. It's Friend or Foe Friday, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Veggie Pygmy, as voted for by our Twitter poll. And you've probably already noticed before we get started that I'm not joined by my lovely wife, Hannah, as normal. And that is because, well, we've had to record this a little bit late just because we've been quite busy this week. And the way our work schedules rarely sync up, unfortunately, we weren't both available to talk about it. And since Hannah's working late, I said, I'll record the episode and then hopefully we can get back to doing the normal sort of duo thing next week. So I'm afraid you're just going to have to make do with me for this one episode. So the Veggie Pygmy appears in the AD&D Monster Manual 2, first edition by Gary Gygax. And in here it says they're vegetable creatures of low intelligence. They organise themselves into regional bands and live by scavenging and hunting. Apparently they vary in colour and size, although normally their colour sort of matches the vegetation and such like in their surroundings. We're told that their height is directly related to their hit dice, those with one hit dice being two feet tall, and a half a foot getting added for every hit dice over one. As with a lot of creatures in the sort of first edition ones, it gives you a bit of a breakdown of their sort of structure and, you know, if they're going to have leaders. So we're told for every 50 veggie pygmies, there's one subchief of five hit dice and two to five bodyguards of three hit dice each. Every band has a leader of six hit dice and he has two to eight bodyguards of four hit dice each. We're told they only take um, one point of damage from piercing weapons due to their sort of vegetable nature and not having internal organs in the same way as an animal creature would do. Electrical attacks do no damage, again, for the same reason. Fire and cold do normal damage, and they're immune to all charm and enchantment spells except for those that affect plants. They always have saving throws against enchantment, even when one is not normally given. They normally lair in dark, warm underground areas, although some may be found in dark forests, and they tend to form bands near their main food supply. They're short bipedal creatures with sharp thorn-like claws and they have sort of like leafy frill-like tendrils around their shoulders and abdomens, etc. So nice to see even the plants are preserving a little bit of their modesty there. And we get a little sort of black and white picture as is typical of the artwork in the first edition Monster Manuals. It shows this weird sort of um, bug-eyed plant creature with a slightly sort of drawn and leathery looking complexion and it's holding a crude stone axe. We then move on to the second edition of Monster Manual, and so let's see what the Veggie Pygmy's got in here. It's been rechristened the Mold Man. The stats are pretty much the same, although we're now told that the Veggie Pygmy sort of label is a derogatory term, and they're short bipedal fungus-like creatures. And obviously, we know into the real life that funguses are different from normal plants, but that, I think that's a little bit academic for D&D. Although, let's face it, us old schoolers, we do love our weird funguses and our mushrooms in our games, so why not? Again, their colour matches their surrounding. They don't have a spoken language, we're now told, but they are capable of vocalised cries. They normally communicate by tapping on their chest and on trees or stone. So that's a nice little bit of extra flavour there. The descriptions of their sort of society and their leaders, etc., is pretty much the same. They still only take one point of damage from piercing weapons, and they've got all the immunities, etc., that they had previously. We get a little bit extra on their habitat and society in the second ed version. We're told they form primitive settled tribes. They coexist well with plants and fungus life. 
They often use shriekers to guard their lair, and mold men native to the lair can pass by these shriekers unnoticed. Normally we're told that russet molds are also found in their vicinity, which might go some way to explaining why they've been sort of redefined as mold men, because you can link them all in with all their molds and stuff like that. They also have been known to associate with myconids, obviously the mushroom men, which view them as sort of like rustic cousins. So I find it quite interesting to think of like the sort of myconids see like veggie pygmies as like they're sort of like hillbilly sort of like cousins so i think you could definitely get some story mileage out of that we're told they live by scavenging and hunting they'll eat meat in any condition from fresh to rancid in times of great need they've even been known to eat others of their own kind or even myconids although they seldom attack members of their own tribe then the next book that I own that I could find mention of them in, and they might have appeared in other editions and other books that I just don't have, but the next book I've got with them in is the Volo's Guide to Monsters for 5th edition. And once again, they get back to being called Veggie Pygmies rather than Mold Men. I mean, sometimes I wish D&D had just like make its mind up on what it wants to call things and stick with it, but never mind. They're still fungus people, um, although it does say they're also called Mold Folk or Moldies, although it's not in the title here. They instinctively have a kinship with other plants and fungus creatures, as previously. They get on well with myconids, shriekers, and now violet fungi, we're told. They prefer to eat fresh meat, bone, and blood. They can absorb nutrients from the soil and many other sorts of organic matter, so they rarely go hungry, but it seems to suggest via the tone here that they prefer that fresh meat, if you know what I mean. They don't build and craft much. They communicate by tapping, as we've said previously, although they have been known to copy or imitate simple constructions that they've witnessed. Now, we get an interesting little bit extra here. We're told that they originate from the remains left behind when a humanoid or a giant is killed by a russet mould. One or more veggie pygmies emerge from the corpse a day later, which is quite interesting because we didn't really get anything like this before, but it's interesting to know where they come from. We're told that as the veggie pygmies age, they grow tougher and they develop spore clusters on their bodies. Spore-bearing veggie pygmies are deferred to by others of their kind, so outsiders refer to them as chiefs. A chief can expel its spores in a burst, infecting nearby creatures. If a creature dies while infected, its corpse produces veggie pygmies in the same way a russet mould does. So they've actually got two different ways of spreading here, one deliberate and one a little bit more haphazard and accidental. And we're given three stat blocks here, as is often the way with 5th edition, you get various sort of like power boosted versions of the stat blocks. We get your basic veggie pygmy, which has like nine hit points, it's a small neutral plant, gets advantage on decks when it's in terrain with plants because of its camouflage. It regenerates three hit points at the start of its turn. So it looks like they've got rid of a lot of the immunities here. They've still got a few resistances to like lightning and piercing damage, but obviously that's a lot less effective than the sort of you only take one hit point of damage from piercing weapons. And they had a whole raft of immunities in the earlier editions. But in this one, they have some resistances, but they are going to be regaining hit points each round. So I think that's to sort of balance out the reduction in the immunities. They can attack with claws or crude slings we then have a stat block for a veggie pygmy chief who has 33 hit points they have the same abilities although their regeneration is bumped up a little bit and once a day they can send out a 15 foot radius cloud of toxic spores each creature in the area that isn't a plant will succeed on a dc 12 constitution save or be poisoned whilst poisoned in this way 
you take 2d8 poison damage at the start of each turn. A target can repeat the saving throw at the end of each turn, ending the effect on itself on a success. And then we get a, an interesting little stat book for something called a Thorny, which I'm judging by the picture, which shows this, again, something that's quite reminiscent of the first Ed picture, of this bug-eyed sort of plant man. But it has this weird sort of almost like hound-like plant sort of faux-shambling mound creature with it, which I assume is the Thorny. And that basically has 27 hit points, has the plant camouflage, has sort of boosted regen, but and at the start of its turn it deals 1d4 piercing damage to any creature grappling it because it is covered in these thorns. And I've got to admit this is probably one of the few sort of creatures that I've seen where I've actually really loved the 5th edition artwork and I thought it was actually superior to some of the earlier editions. And it doesn't actually seem like they're trying to fill up a load of pages. I mean, this is a double-page spread, but you only have like a fairly small picture, three stat blocks, about half a page worth of background. But there is a nice little box out which talks about russet mould, which is basically used as a natural hazard or a trap. And given that they've sort of linked the two of them together, it's nice to see that getting a little bit of expansion. Okay, so a few ways I can think of that you could probably use veggie pygmies or mould men if you prefer in your games are first of all i think they could be used to make an encounter with myconids or other types of plant more interesting now we're all familiar with the sort of adorable lovable fungus men shambling around with their telepathic spores and sort of looking after plants and whatever but they're, they're pretty samey to be perfectly honest aside from minor tweaks and stats my kids are all pretty samey so throwing in these veggie pygmies could just be an interesting extra bit of variety that you could add into an encounter since they fill a very sort of similar ecological niche for want of a better term to the myconids you could also given that the veggie pygmies are portrayed as being a bit more primitive and a bit more tribal as we've said in some previous episodes when we've been talking about sort of tribal creatures you could always pit the myconids against the veggie pygmies in some sort of conflict and just sort of like have the player characters wander into the middle of it you don't have to set up in advance like what the player characters are supposed to do just set up the situation these two tribes are fighting with each other for whatever reason there might be mycanids and veggie pygmies there might be two tribes of veggie pygmies whatever floats your boat but you can just set up this conflict you know maybe they're conflicting because there's a particularly large sort of mold friendly patch of terrain that is going to allow whatever uh, veggie pygmy tribe that possesses it to create more of their number and expand vastly and become the dominant mold men in the area so perhaps there's two tribes competing as when we were talking about frogmen in a previous episode you could have the veggie pygmies come from slightly different sort of areas and their coloration and their physical makeup could reflect that so maybe to use this sort of scenario perhaps this sort of patch of mold friendly terrain maybe it's on the border between some mountains and some jungle now obviously different vegetation grows in mountains and grows in jungles so the veggie pygmies that sort of rise up in that area will have different colorations and physical makeup to camouflage themselves better within their sort of particular ecological niche and that'll make it easier for the player characters to sort of 
differentiate between them and also it'll give them a sort of idea that when they first bump into this scenario oh maybe there's more than one group of them maybe they're not sort of aligned with each other and then they can go on to further investigation rather than just seeing some veggie pygmies and just be like oh it's a mold man and thinking they're all sort of one homogenous bunch another way i think they could be used is as i said earlier on i love the idea that the myconids look on the sort of veggie pygmies as like they're slightly rustic in inverted commas cousins and i think that could be a fun thing you know if maybe if the the player characters have established like a rapport with a group of myconids maybe they're like oh yeah we'd like you to do us this favor we'd like you to retrieve um the, this special fertilizer or this item or whatever for us and they're like oh that's not a problem and where do we need to get it and they're like oh um yeah actually it's out in the um it's out in the swamps with our cousins and you can obviously you don't have to play up all the sort of hick stereotypes but you could have a lot of fun with running the the mold man as having very different priorities to the myconids so obviously in this hypothetical example i'm sort of imagining the myconids as being like the slightly more urbane sort of uh, civilized and in inverted commas plant people and the veggie pygmies are the slightly more sort of primitive back to nature sort of types but you could tweak that, you could play around with that as you see fit. I do really love as well, for another thing to talk about, this link with moulds and various different plants that have been sort of like built upon and really sort of honed in on in 5th edition. And I really love the fact they've done that because moulds and sort of um, slimes and stuff like that, they're often fun as sort of gotcha monsters and traps. You know, I mean, I used... Um, I used some recently, I used some orange sludges out of the Hot Springs Island book and they were on a ceiling, the player characters went underneath, they dropped down on them, it was a bit of a trap, they managed to burn them off the person who got covered in this orange sludge and they went on their way. But they don't really have a lot to them beyond this use as a trap and apologies if you can hear some noise outside the person who lives out the back of me is seemingly like rebuilding their entire porch so apologies for that but yeah these molds and these slimes they don't actually have a lot of interest or facility for use beyond traps or the quick sort of gotcha whereas having the veggie pygmies sort of worked in with them and sort of built in with an ecology with these sort of slimes lends them an extra depth and makes them seem more just like oh it's just a quick trap that the gems dropped into like tax or some hit points or whatever so if you come across some russet molds or whatever type of molds are your preference and at first you think oh yeah it's just a trap and then later you find out they're in this weird sort of symbiotic relationship with these this veggie pygmy tribe that's nearby it not only gives a reason for both the veggie pygmies and the molds being where they are in your game but it also makes your world feel a little bit more lived in and have a little bit more sort of depth and three-dimensionality to it because rather than you've just dropped a couple of random plant monsters in because this is the plant bit of the dungeon you've now sort of hinted that there's actually a deeper ecology and sort of method behind it even if there isn't but sometimes the mere hint is enough to give that extra depth to your game so there's some ideas for using the veggie pygmy in your games hopefully you've enjoyed this episode hopefully we'll have hannah back with us next time 
If you'd like to leave us a message, maybe be featured in a future voicemail episode, you can do so in a few different ways. You can leave us a voicemail using the SpeakPipe website. There's a link in the description of this show. Or if you're having trouble with that, we still have our old Anchor link. Again, link in the description below, which you can use to send us a voicemail. Or you could drop us an email to rddrpgpodcast at gmail.com. Until we see you next time, take care, stay safe, and happy gaming. Thank you.